A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast covering high profile and under the radar cases every week. We are recording this podcast on July 8th. 2020. I'm Anna Garcia, and our guest this week is friend of the program, forensic psychologist, Dr. Judy Ho. Welcome back, Judy. How are you? Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you, Anna, again, and so good to see you. Love your new space. I think it looks super zen for all the conversations we're going to be having. (laughs) Yes. In fact, I should be burning candles for the conversations we will be having. We've got Two incredible cases, uh, both very tragic. But the first one, you know, that we'll be talking about is one that uh, we've all been following for some time. So these are our cases this week, Judy. Human remains have been found stuffed in suitcases in Seattle. They've finally been identified. The bodies were found by two teenagers who were recording, who were recording a video for TikTok. But first, a horrible update on a case that we all have been following. This is the case of missing Fort Hood soldier Vanessa Guillen. Her remains have been positively identified. Another soldier is accused of killing her and and the estranged wife of yet another soldier is accused of helping to dispose of the body. Her remains were found in a shallow grave near the Leon River in Bell County last week. That's about 20 miles from Fort Hood in an area, Judy, that had been previously searched. And I think, you know, there are many things we're going to talk about in this case, Dr. Judy, but one of the things that's very frustrating is the sense that the military did not do enough, did not react quickly enough to the concerns of the family when Vanessa first went missing. The fact this area had been searched so many times and yet they didn't find anything. And that, I think, is what is most concerning, Anna, because it looks like there was a delay in the investigation activities and that perhaps maybe they didn't do enough right in the aftermath. It took maybe a couple months even before they actually started to make some of these more significant discoveries that you're talking about now. And I think it's so interesting because this has really brought to light basically some of the things that people have felt for a long time the military wasn't talking about which is the sexual harassment and possibly assaults of women in the military. That maybe the military just isn't sensitive enough. It doesn't feel like it cares enough to protect its women. And that is certainly one of the accusations that Vanessa's family has made against the military. It's also confusing because, as we're going to learn, her murder took place on a military base. So you have several agencies trying to investigate here. You have military police, you have the police from um, Killeen, Texas, which is the area in which her body was found. And then you also have the FBI that got involved. So, you know, there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen, but when it comes to jurisdiction, the military takes the lead when anything happens um, on their property. And that in itself makes you wonder, is it in their best interest to cover up anything that may make it seem like they were at fault. So let's talk a little bit more about the case. Investigators say that uh, Vanessa, who went missing on April 22nd, she was bludgeoned to death with a hammer by a fellow soldier. She was murdered on the base. That is where the murder took place. And then he and his girlfriend, this is the wife, the estranged wife of another soldier, chopped up Vanessa, burned her, 
and buried her in three different holes. Now, criminal investigators say that 20-year-old specialist Aaron Robinson is the one who killed her. So he's just as young as Vanessa is. Now, he was always a suspect because he was the last person to see Vanessa alive, and she also sent a text to him. So um, his alibi did not check out immediately. Last week, they found Vanessa's remains. Um, and as they found her remains, this is what's very weird, Dr. Judy. He knew that the cops were coming for him. And so when he saw them coming, he pulled out his weapon and he killed himself in front of them before they could even arrest him. And it's so sad because we'll never know all of the details except for the reports of a girlfriend, maybe. But do we know if she's telling us everything that has happened? We don't know the last moments of Vanessa's life. And quite honestly, it's a very cowardly way to go, right? Because you know that you're going to get accused, arrested, probably imprisoned. And so you decide to kill yourself instead of actually stick around for the consequences of your actions. And to give the family a sense of being able to get some justice and some answers as to what really happened and who knew what when, which is very important in this case. So though we do not know the motive yet, this I find interesting. Aaron Robinson was reportedly afraid that Vanessa was going to tell superiors about his relationship and affair with this ex, well, not even ex-wife, but estranged wife of another soldier. This woman, 22-year-old Cicely Aguilar, she's a civilian. She is, or was at that time, Aaron's girlfriend. So if he was having an affair with another man's wife, this is then it became a relationship because she moved in with him. I'm trying to figure out why he was so worried, if this is true, that Vanessa was going to tell superiors. I know that the military has all sorts of regulations and, and morals, and, and but when you think of, if that's the reason, this is the problem, and this is how you handle it, you viciously attack her with a hammer because she might tell about a relationship you're having? Yeah, something's not adding up because, like you said, the uh, the crime that he committed doesn't really fit the supposed problem that was on the table. And I know that Vanessa herself actually told her mother that she was sexually assaulted by one of her sergeants. And I wonder if that was Aaron or if that's an additional issue where it's, okay, now there's two problems on the table. There's me consorting with another military member's wife. And then there's also the report that I've sexually assaulted another woman, possibly Vanessa. And maybe it was just adding up. Aaron Robinson was not thinking clearly when he was doing this, but it also seemed like it was planned somehow that he had gotten her to go to him so that he could commit the crime against her. And so it seems premeditated to me. Does it seem premeditated to you? Yes, it does. Based on what the family has said, when Vanessa was missing, before we knew any of this, uh, the family told investigators that Vanessa was called into work on her day off. So she felt they felt that she had been lured there. And apparently she was called in by Aaron Robinson. Now, the military, since all of this, all these revelations come out, they, they keep saying that Aaron was not her direct report, that it was not you know, he was not her boss. Uh, you know, that that's a lot of military speak for trying to cover up. I think the bottom line is that she was called into work um, and she was in, in an area of the armory and she was doing some kind of either inspection or logging or, or maintenance on weapons. And the very last text that 
Vanessa sent from her phone was uh, a bunch of serial numbers for some weapon, and she sent it to Aaron. Now, about three weeks before Vanessa disappeared, she shared uh, with her family that she was being sexually harassed by her superiors. She mentioned someone, but not by name, who was following her around, even followed her into um, the area, the women's shower, and was gawking at her. And when she would go running or exercising, he was also gawking. So what's interesting is she apparently did not report this to her superiors in the army because others had reported complaints and nothing had been done. So the military came back with a defense saying, well, you know, Vanessa never told us that there was a problem. But since then, they have started a separate investigation into the alleged sexual harassment that she was experiencing. Friends and colleagues there have supported the story that the family is telling. So what is unclear is, is this the guy who was harassing her? I think he's the guy who called her in. There's a lot of stuff that we don't know all the details of. But yes, there was a huge issue going on in Vanessa's life before she was murdered about being sexually harassed on the base by other soldiers. And it just sounds like, of course, right now the public's concern is how deep does this go? And this does not seem like an isolated incident. In fact, now we're having so many people come out basically out of the woodwork saying, hey, this is the Me Too movement of the military. And they're starting to talk about this using hashtags, I am Vanessa Gillen and justice for Vanessa. And they're recounting their own experiences in the military, being called whores, being called bitches, um, whenever they have tried to come forward to report something that Basically, they've been shot down. They've been told to just keep quiet, that there's been a ton of pressure. And, you know, the Department of Defense has been collecting data, Anna, on these statistics. But I would imagine that all of this is probably grossly unreported. So, for example, the DOD's annual report on sexual assault in the military says that there were over 7,800 reports of sexual assault by members of the military last year which is a 3% increase from 2018, but that's only the ones that have come forward and actually made an official complaint. And what people are saying is, when I have made that complaint, I have suffered consequences. Either I've been dismissed and my perpetrator's still working in the military and advancing, or they've made my life a living hell and they kept giving me horrible jobs and basically just making me feel subhuman. Well, these biases are so deep rooted in the military because there was such a resistance decades ago to allow women, you know, their place. I mean, remember when women couldn't even go to West Point. So, you know, over the last few decades, we have seen advances for women. But I do believe that the armed forces as a group have never been as receptive to women. And there have always been problems and allegations that women can't get ahead and that they are being harassed. And so here's another case where a woman claims to have been harassed and she ends up dead at the hands of a man on the military base. And what I find so horrendous is that this happened on a military base. Are you going to tell me that in the course of the more than two months that Vanessa was missing, that no one saw any residue of blood or anything in the room in which she was killed, and that with all the surveillance cameras that you know that they have to have on Fort Hood, how is it possible that it took this long? Okay, I understand. She was killed immediately, and in those two months, sadly, we would not have found her alive, but in those two months, 
her family would not have been twisting in the wind, hoping that she is alive. Instead, she's buried in pieces along a riverbed. And, and what took so long? I, I just I, I think that there's um, a lot of responsibility on the on on the military's part, on the army failure here, failure to protect her, failure to do a good investigation. And I find it very convenient, very convenient that Aaron Robinson, who, by the way, was being held on the base in barracks with guards at the time that they found Vanessa's remains. How is it possible that he managed to get out when he was being held by guards, military guards. He leaves the base. They track him down. And then when they approach him is when he kills himself so they can't arrest him. Isn't it convenient for all the superiors there at Fort Hood that he is now gone? Because with him go all the details and all the secrets of what happened and didn't happen. Isn't it convenient? I agree with your theory, Anna, because now that he's gone, hmm, we don't know what happened with that direct chain of command that people are saying, hey, what happened here? Who did he talk to? Who did he not talk to? What was the cover up? What took them so long before they really got moving on this investigation? And I think this case and also all of the other reports that we're seeing now anecdotally from other women is really bringing about even more mistrust about the military military has always been seen as somewhat of a secretive organization. And some of that secretiveness perhaps is needed when they're dealing with military secrets. But then there's also just a general shroud of secret uh, society sort of, uh, sort of a presentation that I think is concerning to people. And I, I think it also is worth mentioning that even though there were 20,000 sexual assaults in the military last year, there were only 138 convictions. So if we do the math and there's 20,000 sexual assaults, and those are the only ones that have been reported, by the way, so I'm sure there's way more than that, only 138 suffered actual legal consequences. What does that tell you and what kind of message does that give you about this type of crime within the military and whether or not you'll see justice for the families? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're spot on on that one. So let's go back to the day that Vanessa disappeared and go through the crime and what what apparently happened um, because it tells an incredible story and it also shows a lot of missteps mm. on the part of the military investigators. So she was last seen um, in the parking lot of Squadron Headquarters sometime between 11.30 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. on April 22nd. Now, this is important. Remember, she got called in on her day off to go and work in the armory. Mm -hmm. So her family said she wasn't supposed to go in that day. Um, and again, Aaron Robinson is the last person to have seen her and the last person to have heard from her. Her car keys, her car, her barracks room key, her ID, her wallet, everything was found in the armory room in which she had been working and that is where she was killed, apparently. All right. So we know something's going on. A person disappears, yet it takes weeks before the military starts to take action. Uh, we've gone through the fact now, the backstory, right, that she's being harassed by someone and she's concerned and she's uncomfortable. Okay. So she's already not feeling safe there. On April 8th, about a week after Vanessa has disappeared, Army investigators finally question Aaron Robinson. Okay. What, what did you do in this week? Right. Nothing else. Yep. Okay. 
they question him. And this is what he says. Um, well, I went straight home from work that day and I was with my girlfriend, Cicely, mm-hmm. and she can verify everything. Okay. So as we've said, Cicely Aguilar, she confirmed that they were home together that night. Okay. Now in May, Vanessa's been missing about a month now. One month. Investigators questioned two witnesses on the base, and this is what they say they remember seeing on the on the day that she disappeared. They say they saw Aaron Robinson carrying out a very heavy storage box. You know, like those plastic containers, the really thick, big ones that we all know about, the plastic ones, that it was so heavy, this storage box, that he had to drag it. They saw him drag it all the way to his car, and then he lifted it in his car, and he took off. Mm. But we are finding out about this one month after Vanessa has disappeared. You do not think that this is important. What we don't know is, did those witnesses try to report that immediately and they were shut down? Mm. We don't know. Did they even ask? Did they even try to ask for other people, witnesses, until a month later? I mean, that's like exactly what you're saying. We don't know if they just dragged their feet on this or there was some kind of a complicit environment that people aren't talking about. What we do know now is in that plastic storage bin was Vanessa. Her body was in there. So he he drags her out of Fort Hood. Can you imagine? <laughs> in the middle of a military base, he drags her body out. Nobody sees anything reportedly and then and then he takes her and he takes the body down to the river near the river and i guess he leaves that storage bin there so uh, what we end up learning okay so so that's what he did but as the investigation is going on because i'm telling you two parallel stories what's going on in real time and what investigators are learning so after the military police find out that what these two witnesses said about dragging the box. They decide to go back to Aaron and, and they go back to his girlfriend, Cicely. And this is the new story. So they check, they ask Aaron, can we look at your phone? And he volunteers his phone and the investigators say, well, that's kind of interesting. You said you were with your girlfriend, but you kept calling your girlfriend on the night, Right. Mm-hmm. That you were supposedly home. Why would you call her if you're both in the same house? Oh, she misplaced her phone in the <laughs> home. Huh. And that's why he was calling it. Then police talk to Sicily and say, you know, we can't figure out why. Um, are you sure you're telling us the truth? And she says, you know what? Really what we did is we left and we went to look at the stars. We went out, we took a drive, we looked at the stars because now the military have looked at the phone records and they realize that the data from the cell phones, both their cell phones, are showing them by the river and not at home. Mm. So the story's changing, but we're still not getting the facts. And Vanessa's been missing, what, one month now. So this all starts to unravel. Apparently, um, you know, when they finally do find her remains is when Cicely starts telling what's going on. And this is the story she tells that um, either that night or early in the morning, Aaron came to pick her up. She worked at a gas station. They drove out to the site where he had left the tub with Vanessa's body in it. And that when he lifted the lid of the storage container, Cicely immediately recognized Vanessa. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Mm. Okay. 
and then she helped him to chop up her body into pieces. And then they tried to burn the body. And they buried her body in separate, like, three holes. And then they came back a few days later or a week later with cement bags to then try and um, cover up the holes, if you will, so no one could find Vanessa. And apparently it worked for a while because we didn't find Vanessa for two months. And here's the other thing. When investigators went to the site where the cell phones were pinging, that would, and that's exactly where she was buried, They claim that they couldn't find anything. They said, yes, we smell something, but we can't find the remains, which makes me think, are you not looking hard enough? Really? We trust you to defend this country and you can't find a dead body that is literally under your noses? That doesn't make any sense. And why did they not find it until middle of June or maybe late June even? Oh, here's a burn site with disturbed earth. You didn't see that on any of your other searches, especially because you were already being given information that this couple was not where they said they were going to be. Then they were in this whole area that obviously seems suspicious. And it took them another few weeks, it sounds like, before they really cracked the case. Yeah, it was uh, June 21st is when the military was out there at that site. And they said that they smelled something. They also said they saw evidence that trees had been burned, right? So there was evidence of fire. They, But they searched, they say, and they searched and they found nothing. And then on June 30th, right, nine days later, that is when Vanessa's remains are found, but not by investigators. There were some uh, workers uh, who were repairing the fence nearby. They smelled something. Again, remember, everyone says they could smell human remains. And they looked around and they're like, uh-oh. Now, this, these are just some guys working on a fence. If they can find her, but the military and the police can't find her, give me a break. Something does not add up, Anna. Like you said, these guys are not pros. They're contractors who are working on a fence adjacent to the Leon River. And they're the ones who then reported it to investigators saying, something is not right. We found what we believe is human remains. And all of a sudden, the investigators are thinking, oh, great. Uh, we didn't find it the last time we were there. I mean, that doesn't That doesn't track to me because these are professional army investigators. They should have so much training in this type of thing. It's very disturbing. It's a very, very disturbing. Justice was was not carried out in this case. So when the military finally gets that report, they go out there and they're like, yeah, this is it. This is what we've been looking for. We believe this to be Vanessa. They start really putting, you know, uh, a lot of pressure on Sicily. And then that's when Aaron gets you know, detained at the barracks and somehow manages to escape, which, again, isn't that convenient how Mm -hmm. your only suspect the entire time manages to escape armed guards on a military base. Um, They do, um, the the investigators ask Cicely if she'll participate at this point, the pressure's building, and to communicate with Aaron, it's a setup call, setup text, and in this communication, there's some back and forth, and there is... um, I guess they admit, and in this exchange, the quotes are, baby, they found pieces, they found pieces. Okay, so now, you know, the pressure's building, and then, of course, Aaron takes off. They finally find him. They try to arrest him. He kills himself. Mm. Finally, on July 2nd, Cicely Aguilar is arrested and charged with felony alteration and mutilation to impede an investigation. 
No one's even charged with murder here. Oh. No one is ever, ever going to be prosecuted truly for the murder and the mutilation, the dismemberment of Vanessa. No one's really ever going to pay. And that, I think, is one of the things that makes people feel maybe frustrated, angry, hopeless about this case and anything else that might be happening in the military. Because now nobody is being charged with murder. The family didn't get the justice that they wanted. Nobody got the answers that they wanted so that they can really know exactly what happened. And if there was a cover-up, how deep did it go? And there's this frequent reputation that the military protects their own. And so, again, just adding to that public sentiment already that maybe the military, one, is not very sensitive to these types of cases, assault cases of any kind, especially when the reports come from women. But two, that because the cover-up can go so deeply that maybe we'll never know exactly how things are. And even right now, as I was looking at some of the Twitter feeds of the women who have posted under this hashtag and came out with their own anecdotal stories about being sexually assaulted and being told to not say anything, it's amazing what these internet trolls are saying to these women, you know, implicating that they're asking for it, implicating that they're just trying to jump on the bandwagon and get attention for themselves by making up stories and taking away attention from Vanessa. I mean, I just think that it's so horrible that we can see this just from civilian internet trolls and to think that they maybe went through something even worse than that in the military where they really felt truly helpless. I mean, their jobs are on the line, their livelihoods on the line. And what are they going to do? Resign in disgrace? Uh, what are they going to tell their families? It's interesting. And Dr. Judy, what is the phenomenon here where um, Vanessa's case has brought up all of these feelings again for these women? It's almost, are, are they being re-traumatized as they hear about another case of sexual harassment of murder and and the lack of protection. A hundred percent. I think that these women who have been through some version of assault themselves or harassment are, are thinking, oh my goodness, this could have happened to me. And that is not only triggering, but it's scary thinking that maybe if they had made one wrong move, that perhaps their lives would be lost. And I think right now people are feeling better about speaking out because there is that little barrier when you speak out through the internet. There's a little bit of an anonymity, even if it's your Twitter account, people don't know where you live. And so people maybe feel a little bit more emboldened to say something, but it's not truly processing the trauma. I mean, yes, you're speaking out, but you're getting these people attacking you on the back end. And for most of these women, you know, they're completely disillusioned now about the military. And I just think that it's so sad and unfair that these people who decide to dedicate their lives to defending our country and our country's most important responsibilities can't be made to feel safe and protected by the very organization that they swore to serve. It's just, it's really upsetting to me that these individuals, they're veterans now, and the mistreatment continues. And there is a movement, there is a separate investigation going on into her claims of sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. um, almost 90 lawmakers 
this week signed a letter from Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia. Now, what's interesting is that Congresswoman Garcia is the one who kept the pressure on the military when the family couldn't get any answers. She stepped in along with the senators from Texas to try and pressure the commanders there at Fort Hood to respond and do something. And, and it makes you wonder if she didn't do that would we still be looking for Vanessa's body right now? So these lawmakers um, have signed this letter demanding that the Pentagon's inspector general launch an independent investigation into what happened to Vanessa Guillen, her disappearance and her death. Now, what if anything that's going to accomplish? It's a little it's it's way too little and way too late because she's dead now. And then, in addition to that, more than 2,500 service women and veterans have signed a letter demanding a similar investigation, except they want something different. Mm. These women say they want the command staff in charge at the time that Vanessa worked there. And then after her disappearance and death, she wants the entire com they want the entire command staff removed. And I kind of have to agree with them. I kind of have to agree with them. There's there's something very wrong in the system here. I agree with you. And I think that everybody's fear that this is systematic is a real fear. And perhaps at this point, we do need to have external officials step in. I mean, I don't know at this point, given what we know, we can truly trust the military to conduct their own internal investigation. We need the lawmakers. We need civilians to put pressure on the system so that they finally address it. And as I was mentioning earlier, I think it's great that military men and women have finally felt empowered to speak out about this, but it's crazy how delayed it is. When we think about the Me Too movement and when that happened, I mean, we're about three years out from the beginning and the, and the heyday of the Me Too movement, really. And finally, we're hearing people speak out. And to me, it's just it's just so concerning that the fear of retaliation in an organization that clearly has a very distinct ranking system and hugely... Uh, seemingly insurmountable power dynamics. Um, why wouldn't you think that this would be a system where Me Too could be rampant and that it could be corrupt, you know? But it, I think it's because of that very retaliation that people didn't speak out. Oh my gosh, it's the military. My, my boss or my supervisor knows a lot of important people and they could make my life a living hell for the rest of my life. And I think that's why people haven't said anything. And of course, you know, the family is right now trying to process this this massive tragic loss in their family. They've lost their daughter, their sister. Um, and during the time of the investigation, the disappearance, the, the mother, Vanessa's mother spoke so poignantly. She said, you know, when Vanessa was a little girl, she loved to dress up in military you know, garb, right? You know, she was 10 years old and she's playing soldier. And her mother always thought, well, it's just a kid's game. But from an early age, Vanessa wanted to be a U.S. soldier. Oh. And I think that that is what is so tragic here when you see the hope and the dreams of a young woman and her family trying to support her and her wishes. And this is how it ends so tragically. It is so tragic, Anna. This was this woman's dream. And I think it really does take away from the fact that she grew up wanting to serve our country and in the end, not being protected by it and possibly not even being protected and vindicated after her death. And I really hope that her death wasn't in vain, Anna. I really hope that this is the beginning of a true movement for change in the military and that they actually admit we could be doing better.
you know, instead of just saying, we did all we can come in, inspect our programs. No, be proactive. You know that this problem is bigger than we even know. Our second story, Dr. Judy, is two teen girls are making a TikTok video along the shoreline in Seattle, and they discover this suitcase on the rocks while they're videotaping everything, and the suitcase has human remains in it. It's like a horror movie being videotaped in real time. Anna, this is so disturbing because people signed into TikTok to relax, to have fun, to watch dance videos. They're not expecting to sign into TikTok making a video to try to entertain their friends and showcasing dead bodies instead? And what about the viewers of this video? I don't think anybody is expecting to be traumatized when they're signing into TikTok. Oh, not these two young girls. Absolutely not. So this is what the teens say. They were recording their video and they spotted the suitcase. They start to move a little closer and then they could smell that it was foul. But then again, they probably, as kids, were thinking, I don't know, dead fish. You know what I mean? You expect foul smells along the shoreline in a big city like Seattle. But as they got closer, they're like, this is this is weird. So when they unzip it, they discover these. And you can see in the pictures when they open up the suitcase, there's like the really thick, thick industrial, like black plastic garbage bags. And that's what's in the suitcase. They... Thank goodness these young women had the wherewithal to call 911 and and tell them, you know, we just found something. This is not what we're expecting. And you can even see that this is playing out. You could see them calling 911 on the on the video that they made. So police get there and they confirm that these are human remains and they are then taken to the medical examiners for um identification at this point they have no idea what they have on their hands and here's what's interesting the uh, tiktokers i'll call them they found one suitcase right there on the rocks but then police found a second suitcase floating in the water and they fished that out two people were killed and stuffed in these suitcases so um finally just recently the bodies have been identified seattle police say that jessica lewis a 36-year-old mother of four from Federal Way, and her longtime boyfriend, Austin Wenner, 27 years old, they are the ones who were killed, and this is how they were killed. They were shot. Here's what's interesting. Jessica Lewis was shot several times, according to police, and Austin was shot one time. Mm. Now, this is what's also interesting, Dr. Judy. Police believe that Jessica and Austin were killed on June 16th. How is it possible that the cops know when they were shot? I have a feeling the police know a lot more than they are revealing to the public because that's a very specific thing to know when you, for the last few days, had a body decomposing in the water in a suitcase, right? Right. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't think that uh, post-mortem forensic analysis can actually pinpoint the, the date of death. And I also think that it's curious that, again, you know, given the fact that the police have released this bit of information, but no other context around it, all we have is theories. You know, why were these people hunted and killed? Uh, did they get tangled up in something bad? Or were they just horrible victims of something that was almost random, perhaps even a robbery gone bad? I mean, we don't have any context for why these individuals who don't have criminal records all of a sudden found themselves dead and treated. Well, I, my question was, 
Well, when two people go missing, they're generally reported to the police and there's been absolutely not a word about whether they had been missing and if they had for how long, if they had been reported. Now, as I was digging through social media, there have been some reports on social media posts that the couple may have been homeless. And if that is true, if they were indeed homeless, that could explain why if they were missing for a little while, that no one may have known that, that their family may not have known that. So we don't know if that's true, but that certainly does make sense in this case. So I want to get back to the TikTok video because then I want to talk to you about the trauma of all of this. I mean, yeah, we can say it's, you know, the TikTok video and, and, and you know, make references to horror movies, but this is, this is very serious and traumatic. So in the footage, you could see one of the girls using a stick to try and open the bag and the police have confirmed that they do not believe that this video was staged in any way. They don't believe that the girls had anything to do with this. They honestly believe it's as innocent and as simple as them recording a video, stumbling upon this, and then finding human remains. Um, it's like they stumbled upon and entered the world of a massive murder investigation. Oh. So... Um, they did decide to post this video um, and the following morning, and it shows them, you know, stumbling across the suitcase along the rocky shoreline, kind of giggling and laughing because they're kids and they're on an adventure. And um, the girls actually captioned the video. And this is what they wrote. Something traumatic happened that changed my life. Mm. Well, absolutely. I mean, I don't, you know, no one expects to come across a dead body. So the video was posted on a Saturday morning along with the hashtags crime, murder, and Washington. And they also posted, we found this black suitcase. We were joking that maybe the suitcase would have money in it, right? It's just like this innocent way of like, oh, I wonder what's in the suitcase, right? Let's open it up. Maybe we'll find a treasure. Um, they talked about how the smell was overwhelming. They posted that. And it uh, Apparently, as the girl is trying to open the suitcase, then she you could see that now anxiety is rising and now she's getting kind of scared. And that's when they you know realized that they had something horrendous that had just happened here. Now, what's also um, curious here, Judy, is that how the girls ended up in that location again, back to the innocence and, and the fun and the and the joy and the adventure of all of this. They used a nap called Rando Nautica, and it just kind of randomly sets your course for an adventure. That's the whole point of the app. You don't know where it's going to take you. So the app is marketed as the world's first quantumly generated choose-your-own-adventure reality game. Okay, so that's what it is. It's an, an adventure reality game. That's what they were playing when they were making their TikTok video, and this is how it ends. Wow. And, you know, I have seen a lot of media attention around Randonautica because people are looking for ways to spice up their pandemic life. And it's this idea of, oh, let's go on an adventure. And the app actually encourages users to set a personal intention before visiting a location. So it kind of sounds like basically you can say, oh, I'm looking for self-discovery or I'm looking for something that maybe could represent paranormal activity. And then sometimes they're then led to places that might have certain synchronicities. And I think these individuals probably were thinking, okay, let's go on an expedition. And like you said, this very innocent, this is going to be fun. Maybe we'll find a hidden treasure. And instead they find this. And it, it does kind of bring to light though, 
you know, how many people are going to be using Randonautica after this incident? I think that's a little too scary. And I certainly will not be partaking in this particular choose your own adventure. But there's no way or any evidence that Randonautica or, 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 or they had any idea that this is where they were going to end up. I mean, that's part of the adventure of life. You don't know where you're going to end up and what you're going to find. Of course, nobody expects to find, you know, a murder scene. That is just so weird, though, that this random generator sent them to these coordinates. You know, I mean, obviously, it sounds like it is a coincidence. There's no way that Randonautica is involved. But that's just odd that they were sent there and that that's how they discovered this. I mean, who knows without these two teenage girls playing on this app, if they weren't doing that, if these bodies would have not ever been found or maybe it may have taken more months before we even realized that they've been missing and that this is sort of an unsolved mystery. And I don't know what help, if any, this is for the police, but the fact that it was um, videotaped, you know, that the evidence was, as they were approaching it, was being preserved, if you will, um, by the by the video. I don't know if that's of any help at all, but nonetheless, it's an interesting investigative tool to have that video. Police have really, again, not said anything about a motive or suspects, and the uh, couple's relatives, the victims here, have launched a GoFundMe campaign to raise reward money to see if they can find the killers. And obviously, uh, the families of the two murder victims are absolutely devastated to find out that not only that their loved ones are murdered, but they're part of this bizarre, bigger film noir, if you will. Absolutely. And again, you know, because the police haven't released more information and hopefully we'll start to know more. I really do hope that these families get some answers because, you know, family members have said, for example, that the woman who died, she was a ray of sunshine. She worked as a caregiver for developmentally disabled people. And so they're clearly reflecting on all of these positive characteristics and qualities of the deceased and they want answers. And they deserve them. They absolutely do. It is time for our comment section. These are the crime stories that you all are talking about. A drunk suspect walks behind the counter and makes his own sandwich at Subway. Now, how many of us have always wanted to make our own sandwich? Okay. Um, employees say that 44-year-old Don Peters was obviously drunk and he was quite belligerent. He damaged the plexiglass, you know, that separates you as you're making your sandwich and walking along the, the glass saying, I want the olives. No, I don't want the tomatoes. <laughs> and that he went behind the counter. He made his own sandwich, according to police. And then when officers searched him, he they found a bottle of vodka. No, th but this is the best part. And a block, uh, a block, a block of Subway cheese in his pocket. <laughs> seen how big those blocks of cheeses from Subway are, Anna? I mean, that's huge. And it's so funny because you're right. You know, whenever I go to Subway, I'm excited. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go along the little assembly line and talk about all the things that I want to, you know, get in my sandwich. But you know, how many times have you been there? And you're thinking, I really wish they put more olives in there. I mean, I asked for double olives and they didn't. So this guy just took it into his own hands. He's like, I'm going to make my sandwich the way I want it. That's right. He put the avocado on there and he didn't pay extra for it, right? <laughs> okay, so th these are the comments. Uh, Jamie W. posted, The guy just wanted a sandwich. What's the big deal? LOL. Uh, Debbie O. writes, I sure hope they threw out anything his hands went into. I kind of agree there. Disinfect the whole area. Get rid of all the food. And Darren P. writes, Well, at least he was trying to be healthy. I hope he got 
an Italian herb roll. That is a good one. I like the one with the cheese, though. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, you know what? They're right. Especially right now in the middle of the pandemic. Yes, please do throw away everything that was on the counter and in those bins. This other story that everybody's talking about is more serious and it has, um, you know, it's a very charged story and it, ev- and, and it evokes a lot of emotions. A Michigan couple has been charged with assault after the wife points a gun at a woman and her daughter outside of a Chipotle. The couple involved, um, they were in a confrontation with um, a mother and uh, her daughter, I think a teenager, and they were outside the Chipotle Chipotle restaurant and uh, the mother of the young girl, um, you know, um, was being very accusatory about uh, the couple, the woman, um, the white couple. So the mother and the daughter are black and the husband and wife are white and saying that the woman had bumped into her daughter and didn't apologize. And well, things just escalate. They escalate. There's and it's all being videotaped and they're arguing back and forth. And then, you know, the 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 husband and wife get in their car. It's still escalating. Mm -hmm. Then something happens. And the woman, the wife who was in the car, comes out and then she pulls her gun and she points it at the mother and the daughter. And then you can hear them freaking out. And it's still being videotaped. Um, and they drive away and, and, and you know, um, allegations of racism are being tossed back and forth between the white couple and the black mother and daughter. Anyway, it's, it's a really disturbing video. It is um, very scary. And... Um, very troubling on a lot of levels. And, you know, I keep saying this, Judy, over and over again when I see these videos, and I'm not using this term. I mean, I say it, but people are coming unhinged. Yes. There's something about go- what is going on in our world. People are coming undone. Undone. Absolutely. The tensions are so high. Everybody is hypervigilant. And on top of the issues with race relations, we, of course, have this prolonged pandemic and people don't know when it's going to end and when life could return to some semblance of normal. So I think it's like a horrible, perfect storm, basically, that causes people to react in ways that really are nonsensical. And people are just being extra emotional in terms of how they're responding to one another. But we have to be careful. This could have so easily gone haywire and we could have lost some lives here. Absolutely. That's why I find it so disturbing and so scary. No matter what your opinion is of who was right, who was wrong, the situation was very frightening. So Jeremy C. writes, all of this could have been avoided if everyone involved act like civil adults. Got to agree there without question. The gun should have never been drawn and the other party should have never followed her out of her car. This isn't a race issue. It's an ignorance issue on both ends. Clearly, everyone could have handled this better without question. This was not our best selves for everyone involved. Um, Amanda H. writes, I'm not saying one way or another who's in the right or who is wrong, but just because she was charged doesn't mean that she's guilty, innocent until proven guilty. And then Susie D writes, she had no right to go for her weapon, period. The the whole thing is scary. The 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 bat the argument alone is frightening, right? But then when you bring a weapon into it and you're in a public place and you know, people are going in and out of Chipotle. Uh, just so many things could have gone wrong. So many things could have gone wrong in that situation. And that, that, that's what scares me. 
Absolutely. So, you know, just everybody take a pause, you know, I mean, I think like we talked about, there is so much frustration and tension right now, but you got to take a deep breath. And if you're feeling extra charged up, please do not just take a, take a little beat, you know, like do something relaxing before you go out in public, because I feel like that this is what we're hearing every day now that maybe it's not to a level of a gun confrontation, but you know, people are yelling at each other in the streets, in the grocery store, like take a beat. If this is not your day, please stay home and light a candle and do some deep breathing or something. Um, well, this is a great moment for me to transition. I always ask, you know, our guests, where can people follow you? And and you on Instagram, Judy, you're hilarious. Your posts in the last week, I mean, uh, <laughs> you are dancing, you're singing, you are playing the piano, you are cooking nonstop. And then I love it when you put up your, your you have like a little chalkboard or a whiteboard and, you know, inspirations and guides and so where can people find you and, and what do you hope to help people with when you post all, all these little videos on Instagram? Thank you, Anna. Well, you know, I'm just hoping to inspire people with practical scientific tips to live their best life. And right now we're more frustrated than ever. We got to watch out for our mental and physical wellness. And that's what my Instagram is all about. It's about giving people the tools to make their lives better every day. So thanks for that shout out. And you guys can follow me at Dr. Judy Ho. That's D-R-J-U-D-Y-H-O. And you've been cooking up a storm, Judy. Yeah, I have. I feel very domesticated. Um, I, you know, I haven't had the luxury of being able to be home early enough with the LA commute and everything else to be able to cook so frequently as I do now in the pandemic. So I've been really leaning into that and uh, leaning into my Susie homemaker self. <laughs> I love watching it. It's very, it's very entertaining and it always leaves me with a smile. So thank you so much for being on our program this week. We always appreciate your insight and your inspiration. Thank you, Anna. It's always awesome to be with you. So uh, you can always reach me at Anna G News on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm everywhere. Also, you know, if you are a follower and a subscriber to our YouTube channel, you know that I read your comments and you know that I generally respond to your questions. Um, I enjoy them. I always love it when people are very supportive of each other. I love to hear your theories on why certain things happened in crimes. I find it fascinating. Um, and I also find it interesting that our community tries to keep things civil. And that one person, if someone writes something nasty about someone else, the others jump in and say, hey, that's not cool. Don't do that. And we try to monitor that. So I, I always appreciate um, the vigilance with which um, our uh, viewers and listeners uh, try to get into the conversation. And I really, really enjoy that. Um, so. You know where to reach us wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Of course, you can see us on YouTube and you can get updates by subscribing to our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. And as we always say at the end of the show, remember, don't do crime. Don't do crime.